Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indie. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. What's up, everybody? My name is Andy, and that gentleman right over there on the other side, typing dramatically. Dump, dump, dump. That's Mr. J. Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and this is Andy Game Business. Welcome. Today, we, our special guest is Ibar Rocas. Did I say that? I said it good, even with an uh, American tongue. And we, we are talking about, um, what are we talking about, Jay? <laughs> what are we talking, talking about? about? We're talking about video games. We're talking about whatever we talk about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Colombian game development scene and you know the work that they've done over at Effecto Studios on their Apple Arcade game, which launched late last year. And we're going to learn all about how to do it right and how not to do it right and all kinds of little details like that. So, hey, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, sorry, I've already been doing you know yard work this morning. The um, <laughs> the first thing we always like to start with, because there is no like real path to success in this industry, is how did you get into the game industry in the first place? And you know, walk us through your career up to this point. Well, uh, I hope to, to be very short on my story, but. I started like uh, 20, 22 years ago. Uh, I started like doing a lot of research of um, virtual environments and programming 3D, 3D graphics here in Colombia. And in, in 2002, I started the, the first uh, company uh, that develops video game in Colombia. It was the, probably one of the very first in, in South America. And um, I don't know. Lucky we were when we got hired by by a by a studio in in South California, uh, and we started working with them, doing a lot of art uh, for a project called uh, Monster Monster Madness and Cell Factor. It was a project. Uh, uh, Cell Factor was a tech demo for a JF Physics, like back in the days, uh, all the physics system that now has Nvidia. And then uh, Monster Madness was published by uh, South Peak Interactive. Um, the studio behind that, the full development, was called Artificial Studios. And the team behind that is the same team behind Arc Survival Evolved, Atlas. And I mean, it's been like a long journey working with them, uh, helping them a lot on uh, a lot of uh, creating content like modeling, uh, concept art, uh, level design. So. So after many, many years working with them and obvi- uh, with other clients, we, we, we found a really good path uh, developing good uh, with high quality production uh, content and releasing projects for, for console, mostly and PC. Oh man, I've got a lot of hours in Arc and Atlas. A lot. Amazing. That's it. A lot of hours. South Peak Interactive is a is a name that I haven't heard in many 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 <laughs> years. Yes, because they were, and we were just talking about Raleigh. They were they were down in Raleigh, and you know that's where I was for I don't know the first ten years, fifteen years of my career. But now that's yeah, that that's taking it old school right there. Kind of so, the. Interesting thing is, and this is always what we see with a lot of indie developers, and you're on that treadmill that we talk about. You know, you're doing contract and work for hire stuff, but you're also doing, you know, your own original, you know, indie games as well. 
how do you balance that? Because it's in self admitted here, you know, I tried to even with all the business I've done, I tried to jump off that treadmill one time with our first company and fell flat on my face doing it. So how do you balance that, you know, contract work versus original IP, you know, with the studio? Okay, I think that that was because a lesson of life. Uh, my previous studio was called Immersion Games, and we were working really happy with several projects, uh, including Cell Factor. And in 2010, we just faced a big, big situation, so we, we needed to close the studio. So we ended up concluding that we were just focusing just we were just on clients, just we and on when clients. the clients stopped hiring us, uh, we didn't have any, any to continue working with. So we, we, we went broke into, in October 2000, 2010 with Immersion Games. And in 2011, we restructured the idea of the company that we must continue looking for work for hire, but as well developing uh, an IP in parallel. It's, it's tough because uh, having an independent team inside a team uh, working on an IP is really hard because everyone gets distracted because everyone wants to do their what they want to do, like the passion, uh, and the clients are like the ugly job, like just uh, doing a lot of things, just, uh, I mean, hundreds of assets during two or three years is not that, that fun as developing your own IP. But we managed to find a good way to, to balance uh, the team between uh, our own IP and, and the clients. And we found a way that we have about like eight guys working on internal IP and the other 20, 27 working for, for clients. So we have like internal rotation, rotations be, between clients and internal. So that helps to refresh the team to, actually it's a good excuse to move the team to client then go back to IP because that refresh the, the, the point of view of the project, the, the quality, and yeah, and several things. That's actually, I mean, as long as you keep the, the, the business coming in, you keep that pipeline full, that's a great system because that way you don't have the team getting burned out on doing the same assets, you know, year after year after year. And you literally have separate teams aside. And so that's that's where I see a lot of indie devs get in trouble is they try to have everybody on one team. And so they're mm -hmm. starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And so that's that's excellent. I, I love that idea. So what on the business end, what do you do to make sure that you keep that pipeline, you know, full of folks coming in, full of work coming in? That's really challenging, and um, and this year will be the the most challenging year in in years uh, because developing business, uh, being in, in South America is really tough. Uh, the only picture that everyone have in their mind regarding Colombia is Pablo Escobar. So just trying to break that down is amazingly hard because I mean when you ask, ah, are you from Colombia? So the conversation the conversation instead of going to, oh, you're doing an excellent job in Colombia, video games, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, do you live with Pablo Escobar? Blah, blah. So the conversation goes to that really weird direction. So after two hours explaining that the guy dies like 30 years ago, Colombia <laughs> is a sustainable country. Uh, the economic situation is way better than 30 years ago. Then suddenly they start asking about video games. So it's really challenging. It's, it's uh, it's hard to to move their mind to a country that is like working as other country. We have security issues like every like uh, East LA or South uh, uh, Houston, uh, like every country in the world. So so that that part is hard. Um, and the next step is trying to to convince that we have the capabilities, the technical level, and 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 the team ready to start working with. Uh, fortunately, uh, we have been in this business for for time ago, so that helped a lot. And 
and working with with uh, a specific te technology that, that is Unreal Engine helps us to be like in top of the mind of several developers. So that helped a lot because all the team is very high technical, uh, I mean, connected with, with Unreal. So it's not just modeling or just uh, concept art. It's like the full pipeline. So that helped a lot. So why do you feel that this year is going to be the hardest for BizDev? Uh, because you need to face your clients because it's, uh, and I found this really interesting. Yeah. Doing business in video games is like a very, very face-to-face -face negotiation. Uh, it's trust in the other side uh, all the time. Even if you can do um, Zoom calls, Skype calls, uh, having a really nice conversation, having a really, to present a really good context about your studio helps a lot. So for me, it's really challenging because again, it's like even having the guy in front just uh, uh, communicate trust uh, it's really hard being from Colombia. So it's like, uh, but in Colombia, you know, uh, uh, security issues, you know, narcos. So it's like several questions that are really hard to solve. So, and, and even is there people asking if we have internet or if we have access to, I don't know, good computers? It's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of challenging. I, I, I laugh because, yeah, I mean, it's like I watch Narcos too, you know, and, and so you're not wrong. People, that is the first thing. But it's weird, though, because if you say you're outside of Bogota, I don't think you get that question nearly as much as, as the developers who are, you know, in and outside of Medellin, you know, that your just assumption, if you're not from Colombia, is that everybody yeah. in Medellin was, was involved <laughs> in, but it's a huge city. So, you know, not really, but it's, it is, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to have you on. We've done similar talks with, you know, studios in the Middle East and North Africa and, and India. Wow. And there's a lot of, I mean, to be blunt, racism, you know, when you think of, and, and places like South America in general are not always top of mind. <laughs> and if they are, the first thing that people go to is, oh, okay, you know, we'll, um, we'll find, a, they can do art for us or something like that. And, and they don't realize that, yes, these are very, very good teams that you've been doing this for 20 years. And, and it's not something that it's a bunch of kids straight out of college trying to figure out Correct. you know, how to dial into a server. And so it, it, it's, this is one of the reasons that we do this. So, you know, my question, and, you know, everybody listening knows this, is I'm biased here because we've been running digital events now for over a year and a half. Have you tried any of them? I haven't tried yet, uh, oh, but this, this will be the year. This is, we'll, when we're done, we'll get you a, a, a pass to our event coming up in August because oh, that this be awesome. is exactly the reason we started doing it. You know, it's, it's because it's for anyone that's not in Western Europe or, you know, North America, it's, it's like dropping five, 10 grand to go to GDC to try to drum up business. That's a shit ton of money. I mean, it's a shit ton of money for us, you know? So, you know, we're like, we've got to do something to open that up open this up and make it more accessible and so that's exactly what we've been doing since way before pandemic is hey let's do this shit <laughs> online you know there's no reason why we've got video technology and we can't do this so um yeah well we'll, we'll get you set up for that after after Amazing. the show thank you so what are i mean aside from the disadvantages of stereotypes and you know pablo you should start every meeting with like a, just a condensed version of the last episode of narcos and you're like look he's dead they just yeah. but what are you know some of the key advantages and, and any other challenges that you face you know working from colombia versus somewhere else so once we broke the, the wall, uh, it's really easy to sell the, the, the studio because uh, first of things, uh, Colombia has a really huge pool of talent. So we have really good artists uh, as an area where we have several hundred of people, thousand people ready to jump in uh, creating content, uh, concept art, uh, 3D modeling, animation, uh, even technical art, uh, so that's that, that help a lot because 
uh, it's really easy for us to increase the team size in about two or three months. So for us, scale up the team, it's really easy because we don't have big studios here. And actually, probably uh, uh, my studio is one of the biggest one in, in Colombia. So that's why for us, it's really, it's really, really easy. Second is um, culturally, we're very well aligned with, not, with the North because we have several TV shows that we, we, we saw The Simpsons, we saw South Park. So we're aligned with uh, uh, North, American, uh, North American cultures, but as well, we have our own mix. So it's, it's really, we, we connect really easily with other studios in North America. It's, because it's not hard for us to understand that, uh, I don't know, a dragon is a dragon because it's the, 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 the North American version of the dragon. It's not trying to explain a Chinese guy or a Japanese guy what is a dragon because it will be really, really, really tough. For us, it's really easy to, to get aligned uh, with, a, with a creative perspective, perspective or goals uh, the, the, the other studio have. So that helped a lot. That dragons are one of those interesting things that yeah you're right you know everybody knows what a dragon is but depending on where you live in the world your dragon may not look like the next dragon and so yeah. I, I had never thought about that but that's actually a, a super super good point so let's talk about you know decoherence and you launched that on Apple Arcade back in what September yeah September. So there's a, I mean, Apple Arcade has been a very interesting platform because for so year, so many years, everything on iOS and, and Android has been free to play, free to play, free to play. And it's not a friendly area for indie teams. And, you know, when Apple Arcade came out and Google has their uh, Google Play something that they do, you know, very similar, all of a sudden it made sense to make premium games again, even if they're being given away for free. So what was the, the thought process on the game? Is this something that you were going to develop across all platforms or did you aim it at Apple Arcade, you know, from the start? Actually, we, we started uh, the project like about four, four years ago and we targeted the game for console and PC. And we always thought that it was something that uh, will be released on, on PC and console because it's an, ex it's an a strategy game, multiplayer, with a really deep, uh, uh, deep gameplay. So we expected to have it uh, uh, on PC. We went to several packs to GDC, to E3, to, I mean, to contrast uh, the, the game idea with, with other uh, players. And suddenly we, we found opportunity because uh, we, never, we never knew about Apple Arcade till probably three, four months before launching. Uh, and suddenly uh, at GDC, someone told us, hey, uh, they will be releasing this, this, this platform. Uh, will be great if you can just pitch uh, your project. So we did it, and, and they really, I mean, they like the idea because it's a multiplayer game that um, has a, a lot of uh, production values in terms of uh, the amount of components. Like the structure of the project was good enough, I think, for them because there are not that many, at that time, there wasn't that many multiplayer games. So it was a really lucky decision we, we had. So what was the process like? I mean, was it, did you know somebody over there? Did you just do a submission like everybody else? How did that, how did that work? It was a very standard submission process. So it's like just showing game uh, the game design document, the technical design document, and wait for someone review it and say, you know what, this is good. So um, it, it, it wasn't that like, I don't know, person by person process. It was like very straightforward process. Not sure how it works now. I mean, probably will will be the same because they they have uh, on the on the web page uh, like a, a a way to submit your 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 game idea. So probably it, it is the same as today. I, I, 
just a, a heads up to everybody out there listening, watching on, on Facebook and YouTube and Mixer and wherever else we are at the, at the moment. If you've got questions about, you know, indie development, contract work, Apple Arcade, you know, without getting into like legal details, pop them up in chat. And so we're going to see it no matter where they are, where you are, and we'll get you know, all of these questions answered while we're live here. So um, what do you feel put you over the over that last hurdle to get accepted because so often you know we, we see that you know apple wants to feature games that are showing off some new technology or you know there's some new feature of the ipad i don't know whatever we're on 14 or whatever ipad we're at at this point in time what was there something that you feel you know blended that secret sauce to get you get you cleared for apple arcade i think I mean, we never knew what was like like the right point that that what that, that we hit it. But I think our game allows you to program your own units to fight against your player. It's like a, a chess uh, match where where instead of just moving pieces, you program every unit. So it's it's very educational way to to play a game because. It has a strong strategy uh, phase, but as well, it has a really deep uh, construction of the strategy programming bot. So, so I think that that will be something that uh, th they saw it. I mean, for our players, I mean, they love the idea to just ma micromanage your strategy. That, that is something really important for, for those players that I think uh, uh, the, the team behind the approval uh, feel feel the same. So this is something that you all self-publish. You know, what, how was that different? I mean, is, first off, is this the first game that you've self-published or have you self-published other ones? This is the second one. Uh, the first one we released it on, on iOS actually in 2012. So how did you handle all the little stuff, you know, like, like marketing and, I mean, did you localize it at all? I mean, what all of the little things that publishers tend to take care of, how did you approach that? That's been a really, really hard challenge to solve it because the platform it's itself is, uh, I mean, for, from, from my point of view, has a different target of players very used to play free-to-play games that are just waiting for the ad showing on Facebook to just jump in into the game, download it, and just waste a lot of money on, on free-to-play things. So I think the big challenge for us was to understand what kind of consumer we were hitting, hitting with the game. And if the game was ready uh, or, or was good enough to run on an iPhone, because that's, that's the other challenge. The game is... I mean, this screen is so small to put several information in there that, that it was really hard. So we started, I mean, something that we initially, we wanted to have uh, a lot of metrics just doing as, as free-to-play games works. Then suddenly one, one of the best metrics we ever had is the re reviewing system because we, 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 can the we can get the perception of the players and then trying to solve many issues that the game had. Uh, that was like the, during the first six months, that was the priority, trying to hear all the reviews and trying to translate it into feature updates or to books uh, uh, solving. So that was the, the, the main phase. Now we're moving into the next phase that is promoting the game because we're actually releasing a, a game update during this week, uh, probably this week, next, next week. And we want to promote broader the game because finally we have the right product on the right device. So it will be everything made, made by, by us. Um, I mean, moving social networks, uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, like doing the, the uh, with our hands. So that's it. <laughs> we got so, a question in chat here. Oh. Yeah, Good. let's hit that question from uh, Prime Material Cast on Twitch. Question: I'm curious how uh, how Apple Arcade compares to free to play in terms of revenue. Hmm. So we're not mm. going to go into details on that. 
the, the big thing is you got to keep in mind, it's not a free-to-play game, so you don't have to spend money on user acquisition. But, you know, in the broad spectrum, without going into anything that's going to get us in trouble with Apple, what, how, can you, how can you address that? I think it's fair enough. I mean, it's fair enough because it gives you good enough to maintain the team to continue working uh, on improving the game. And, and, and at the end, you just focus not on the user acquisition, on all the infrastructure to, to, uh, to get new users. You just focused on solve everything to have the best game possible. So for me, I mean, from, from, from my company perspective, it's, it's the, the, the best deal we ever had because we never had to deal with, again, with acquisition, just focusing on, 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 on the product. So. so what did you do? <clears throat> I mean, I would imagine when we're dealing with, with a, a, a closed platform like this, a lot of your marketing actually comes down to, you know, SEO in terms of, of store optimization. So you've got at first glance, how did you approach icons versus what information you were putting in the game description? I mean, was there a lot of iteration on that, you know, or was it, let's see if this works and, and go from there. How did you, it was really straightforward. I mean, we never had, actually, we never had the time to, I don't know, to, to structure the, the, the store page because uh, we, we um, uh, I forgot to mention, we, the, we port the game on all Apple devices in two months. So we, in June, we started working. In August, we, we had the game ready uh, because we were the, the first 100 games to be released. So uh, we, we hadn't the time to optimize everything. It was very, very straightforward. So we, we never planned about that. Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting questions in here as, as, it's as okay, well. It's okay. Whenever LinkedIn isn't cooperating with us, it's, I get messages during the show. It's like, hey, we can't see you. It's like, go to Mixer, go to Twitch, go to go to YouTube. We're we're, we're here. We're just on a different one. Um, so, what, how did you approach marketing then? You know, at launch window, were you just basing, hoping for traffic because? you know, you were one of the first games or did you have a marketing plan that went wrong with, with the launch? We, we had a marketing plan. Uh, I mean, just taking the basis of, of, of promoting the game, uh, mostly creating a lot of content uh, on, on social networks. It, it was the, the, the only action we took, just creating context for the game, uh, creating a lot of assets around the, the, the every character, every unit. So, um, that was uh, our initial plan, just creating the context for the game because we have several action components that the player can use. So we, we wanted to explain first how the game works. So that's why we never thought on, on, on the, the uh, probably you, 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 you can correct me, in the other kind of marketing that is just focusing on user acquisition, what banner works better than one, and how to shoot thousands of banners on, on, on Facebook. For us, it's like how to create the best context for the game and make sure the players are getting the idea of the game. Yeah, it's, and this is why we don't recommend any indie team try to do a free-to-play game because it's the level of you know, expertise and knowledge and just flat-out money that you need to go out and do user acquisition is crazy. It's absolutely nuts. So this is, in many ways, it's very similar to the marketing plan you would have if you were launching on Steam or console or a traditional Correct. premium game. Were there... Any social networks or any avenues that you felt did better than the others? Because there is, I mean, there's Reddit and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Where did you see the most traction? I think Instagram is one of the best platforms to show good content uh, because it's really easy to show what you're doing. Sorry about that. I just got some call. Mm. It's okay. That, that's when our phone starts ringing too. The minute the show goes live, everybody starts messaging yeah. me. Um, Happen all the time. All right. So here's one that I have not thought of until someone mentioned it to me recently. Did you try Pinterest? Uh, 
in what 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 do you mean with that i mean the i had we were talking to somebody and they said we got a lot of good traction for our you know our game and our content by posting on pinterest and i was like i had never oh, i ever, never tried that i had neither and ever. so apparently it's um it's pretty effective but yeah i was just curious so how is your so what are you going to do in terms of marketing now for the content push versus what you did at launch um, i think we we finally have the 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 best version possible uh we thought on 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 arcade so now the next step is trying to reach influencers uh but not influencers in the way to just pay for play the game uh trying to build the community uh the, the game has a, a really high high value in terms of the, the multiplayer uh, matches so we really want to to have good players playing our game so we started reaching some uh, influencers that really like the, the the game idea so that's the main focus now after the the launching of the of the update we will continue like building and and creating the, the community around the game that's the, the the main step so are you using any tools to do that like your key mailer or move it or no any, you're just doing a direct emails out to correct nice so how did you go about building the target list for for influencers or is, are you taking the shotgun approach where it's just you know let's get it out actually we started with the with the ones that took our game and just talk about the game uh with no reaching from from our side initially now we're talking with them like hey this is nice thank you for for take our game would you like to continue this is the new update how we can i mean how how we can build a relationship with them is one of the most important thing. It's not just, and I know this probably will be the average in terms of marketing, just get the chat going and shoot everyone outside of the world. Uh, but because I'm from Colombia, I can't do that. So <laughs> I need to. <laughs> sure, y'all, y'all all work for Pablo. You have much better guns than, than just regular shotguns. <laughs> But no, I mean, that's not the approach that we ever, you know, recommend anyone taking. It's just like going and finding a publisher. You have to find the right influencer, you know, to, to talk about the game. And so, you know, to be able to, you know, to go back and to track who talked about it organically the first time around, that's a that's a really good strategy to, to get it out there. Uh, the problem that we see is that there's just so many influencers out there that a lot of developers don't even know know where to start right right andy correct i have no idea there's so much out there <laughs> influencers are the worst they I'm are sure. terrible <laughs> get some damn work ethics <laughs> all you do is play video games all day the um which is interesting because that's what i've been accused of for the last 20 years and now that's actually really a job and i'm like oh well i missed that boat apparently <laughs> so you know when you were let's let's go back to to the first launch and this is always an interesting take you were getting lots of feedback in from from players we like this we don't like this but there's no filter on it i mean you're getting all kinds of shit coming in how did you go about looking and deciding oh that's something we should work on or that's a feature we hadn't thought of and that could be good versus you know getting those recommendations or complaints in and you're like i ain't working on that that's just not going to happen how did you sort and prioritize those different options the the good thing about the, the development process is that probably the the basis of the game are strong strong enough that we are not worried about about like changing or adding new features it was most regarding the ux all the user experience regarding the controls because we expected to have the game working with keyboard and mouse and now suddenly you will have like a touch system to do all the all the process so the the, the main uh the, the the main pains of the games are ux used to be ux now we expect you to have it solved it then the second uh, main pain is 
uh, difficulty level. So we're expecting like uh, players that get deep into the the, the whole system, but it's still uh, the game is is big enough that uh, it's hard to explain in ten levels tutorial the whole game concept. So we needed to tweak a lot of the tutorials, just trying to guess where are the main pains for the players based on the reviews. And obviously, we had uh, several uh, good uh, Discord spaces where the where the players are telling us directly what are the main pains. So I think those those two uh, areas are the, the, the main points we, we needed to solve. Did you use it? I mean, you've got the Discord server, which means you've, you've got a base of fans who are interested in the game in the first place. How did you use that in terms of of balancing and testing the changes through, you know, over the last six months in, in terms of, of, of the UX or the yeah. difficulty? Did you go back and did you do, you know, focus testing and betas with some of the folks in Discord? Or how did you know that you've got it down now? The initial uh, four months, it was uh, internal uh, focus test because we, we weren't allowed to share the, the, the game. Uh, so we did a lot of internal tests with probably 100 players here in Colombia in the studio. So we did like a one-by-one -one process to make sure he understood uh, the, the, the full game concept. And during this year, finally, we, we released the first uh, update patch. Then we, we, we were allowed to share more more the project. So now we're getting like direct messages to telling us, hey, it will be great to have this working better because this is not working well. So we're very reactive with them, trying to collect all the information and put in on the game as soon as we can. So where are you, what are you using to actually track that info? Uh, track in terms of uh, like writing down or? Yeah, like when, when the requests come in, where, where do you put them? What, what do you do with them? Is it um, Trello or, or Jira? It's Trello. Or, or, it's Trello. Okay. Trello. We have a big Trello. <laughs> so how has your world changed, both with the contract work coming in and, you know, doing all of this feedback? Because obviously you can't have 100 people coming into your studio now and doing one-on-one -on -one focus testing. How has, you know, this pandemic changed the studio from not only the development side, but from the, from the business side as well? I mean, from, uh, I was amazed how the team adapted really fast to, to, to the quarantine because we are theory A guys. So, uh, having theory A guys working remotely and making sure we continue working with clients and we continue, uh, improving our game was for me was a big challenge, but it took just one week to adapt the, the whole system. Fortunately, we, we use a lot of Scrum methodologies, a lot of Trello, a lot of uh, continuous integration that help that everything moves in a really good good speed. Uh, for clients, I think that the main pain, and, and it was something that uh, obviously no one expected, it was the first uh, six months of the year where uh, GDC, uh, E3, uh, and several other events started uh, during the year. So. I try to to start moving all my contacts and reach one by one to make sure uh, not lose the the connection with them. So now it seems it's moving better than two months ago. So I expect to to be hopefully closing closing some deals during the next month. So it was like a two or three months delay uh, delayed that the process, but it seems now everyone. I mean, not just me, it's all the studios, publishers are figuring out that if they don't reach developers, they will not have content on their console. So, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a fair situation for everyone. It's like if they don't pay, pay attention to the, to the emails, it will be hard for them to reach me. So I think it's a win-win combination. It's, it is interesting because we, we've all had, over the last 20 years, various hurdles that popped up in one area or another, 
you know, it was like, okay, somebody's had an earthquake and they're, they have no internet for a week, or this country is going through literally a revolution right now. And it's, it's hard to get, but now the whole world is dealing with this. So it's not like you can go, well, I can't believe this guy's not like answering my phone call or he's not, he's missed this meeting because in the back of your head, you're like, Oh yeah, well that could be me next week because you know my my kid needs something or you know for any other reason. It is interesting to be working in in a time when literally everyone in the world is going through the same shit that you are, you know. And so it does. It, it makes people much more uh, understanding. The empathy level has has absolutely gone up. You know, I see that yeah. with me anyway, and it's like, well, I can't believe I, this person set a meeting and they're not even showing up for it. And now it's like, all right, whatever, dude, let's just reschedule this for, you know, for, for when. Uh, Correct. Was there any, did you have to like grab any new pieces of tech, change any methodologies internally or, you know, and we see this a lot with indie teams. We're kind of used to working in mm-hmm. an incohesive model, and so now it's really not that much of a change. But was there any any major changes at all? No, I think that the only issue was to have all the servers running twenty four seven, just making sure uh, internet and uh, electricity is there anytime. Uh, but for the rest of the tasks. Everything is moving as as we used to be on, uh, in the office. Actually, we have like about 27 guys in one like main office, and the other 12, uh, 16 are around in other secondary cities in Colombia. So we are very used to work remotely, and obviously working with uh, studios in 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 the states because when we were behind Arc, um, probably you know that that. Arc was made by about five studios around the world, one in Egypt, one in uh, Florida, one in, um, in Seattle, one in California, and one in Colombia. So we're very used to work remotely with several studios. That, that's, people ask me, like, how are you doing? I was like, I've been working remotely for 10 years. This is yeah. not really that big of a change, aside from the fact that my the rest of my family is here, you know, now <laughs> during the day. And occasionally we have to take out, you know, take a break and go do math, you know, which I don't still get. But anyway, um, it it is, I mean, we are in a, in a situation where, you know, one, our industry is thriving right now. It's, you know, I feel bad saying that, but it's, it's a reality. You know, we're having gigantic spikes in terms of connectivity and people playing and, and revenue and, and all that kind of good stuff. And as, you know, in general, we're used to this. I mean, we're used to working remote. It's not, it's the big studios, you know, the Activisions, you know, even like the Fortnite team, you know, I constantly joke with my friends over at Epic. And I'm like, look, as long as y'all keep the servers running, those of us with kids are going to be okay. If the Fortnite servers go down, we're screwed. There's just no, (laughs) that's when the anarchy will hit. The Um, second pandemic. Yeah, exactly. First, First, it was an actual virus and now Fortnite's not working and so that's just not gonna that's not gonna happen but all right, so right. let's talk about that for a second though because I, I want to get your take on this they did the travis scott thing last week and, and i finally reached the point in my life where i'm old enough and i'm like i have no idea who that is but you know we watched it and it was absolutely phenomenal from a promotion standpoint. And it hit 27 million, million people. I mean, unique users. We're seeing a big jump in VR as well. You know, six months ago, if a developer had come to me and said, we have this VR project we want to you know, work about, I'd be like, no, just don't. Uh-uh, Forget go. it. And now we're getting publishers coming to us and saying, hey, look, what have you got in VR? Because, you know, Half-Life Alex came out and they announced this week that that sold like 825,000 copies. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, you know, where do you see you know, the industry going in the next six to 12 months, are we going to see things like, you know, integrations with, with Fortnite or, you know, more VR stuff? When you look at that crystal ball, 
what do you I think is going to happen? Finally, uh, the technology had the opportunity to lock down people inside a house and try technology. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's a really interesting moment because we're so drowned with devices like iPad, iPhone, uh, TV, like several that you're distracted. So even 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 me that, I mean, I used to play video games on, on my PC, but now I'm so busy with like having like uh, really fast information on my phone that I'm forgetting my, my laptop. But now I'm getting back to work and making sure everything. And probably that that, that is happening now with VR. And I, I think it's, it's an excellent moment for, for VR because I think it's been thriving in the, in the last six years, probably, trying to find the right device. And I think the devices are just so good, so good that, I don't know, the Oculus Quest is, I was amazed. I mean, the, I tried the first HMD in 1998. That, that was the Microsoft. And it was like a TV, like a cathode yes. TV in front of your face. Now it's like just glasses. Like, I mean, with, so I think it's the best moment for 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 br and second i think uh, this is my uh, theory of uh, conspiracy theory uh xbox and playstation will be struggling to have the hardware ready for the oh, next yeah. uh consoles so without probably, a doubt yeah so they will have to ask more time to have the full uh, amount the inventory of units to have it ready to to drown the market so that gap will be the most amazing time for VR, I think. That's and, and I agree wholeheartedly. I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's just simple facts. You know, when China and Southeast Asia have been shut down, and that's where all your yeah. manufacturing is. Correct. You know, there's absolutely no way that that's not going to have an effect on things, especially the way that we see launches going these days and how there's, you know, not always enough units anyway. And, you know, we joked on the show a couple of weeks ago, it's like, Oh yeah, they'll launch on time. They're not going to delay the launch, but there's only going to be like six playstations you can find in the U S because they're, they're just not going to have enough of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's going to open up, you know, more opportunities, not only for VR, but for, you know, PC games. We've always looked at Q4 as like the dead zone for indie teams. It's like, do not launch your indie game mm -hmm. in Q4 because you're not going to get any visibility. You know, the influencers are going to be playing Call of Duty or whatever else came out. And mm -hmm. all of the marketing, you know, is going to be completely sucked up by the AAA producers. Now, the question becomes, okay, which of these big Q4 launches is actually going to make it, you know, because it's it's one thing to have 38 people in Colombia who are somewhat used to, you know, working in a loose formation suddenly go remote. It's different when you say, okay, this studio of 300 that, you know, was sitting in a giant building in LA, all of a sudden everybody has to go work from home. Going back to Fortnite, there's a very good reason why season two that they're working on right now got bumped, you know, another however many weeks they did. It's just you can't get the stuff yeah. done as quickly and they'll catch up. But I'm looking at Q4 with a little bit more optimism for indie teams now because, quite frankly, we don't know what's going to launch and what's not. And we are going to end up in that situation where there are games that launch because they need to be launched by a stockholder that you know turn out to be big flying turds because <laughs> they weren't ready to go so um it's i'm interested i think i'm not to the point where i'm saying okay yeah indie teams launch a bunch of q4 games but I don't think it's going to be nearly as dreadful as it has been in other years. So correct. Going back to, to, to the indie scene in general. So is this your only project right now, or are you working on other games to self publish? Yeah, we, we started working like three months ago, a new project actually trying to align uh, the release of the coherence, like, obviously getting called during the probably next year. So we, we started working on the next prototype. 
but it still is like very rough type. But yeah. So I mean, when you're looking at that, and this is where it's interesting with Apple Arcade, when you're creating a quote unquote traditional game and you can say, okay, look, we got all this revenue at launch and that's going to finance the development team through six months of post launch content. And then we're going to sell DLC or you know, whatever the post launch model may be. That money can keep you going in terms of doing more you know, ongoing content. How, how did you approach ongoing content with something like Apple Arcade where it's not the same revenue model at all? Actually, we, and you know, I can't go deeper on how we do it with, with, with Apple, but I can say that it's, it's mother to us to make sure we have more content for the game. It's a bet, but uh, our bet is to build a good product and a good community around it. So, Obviously, it's trying to manage, uh, don't waste all money just in one product. Obviously, it's uh, trying to bet in the next one. But, but as well, is, 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 I mean, we, we want to move forward with the coherence on console as well. Uh, we, we just don't want to, to stay in one, in one place during many, many times. So it's, uh, for us, it's trying to move forward as fast as we can because this year will be the time to have content to throw into the stores. So yeah. for us, it's, it's an excellent opportunity to, to build up a really good product and then trying to release it to other platforms. So you are planning, you are taking the coherence to other platforms. It's not going to be Apple. That's Apple. our plan. That's our okay. plan. No, that makes sense. That's good. Uh, all right. So yeah, anyone out there, you got questions about indie development, you know, switching and, and managing contract work at the same time doing your original IP or, you know, Apple Arcade questions in general, aside from, you know, sales figures and numbers and things that we can't get into, let us know because we we're getting towards like the end of our, our time here. So I, I, go ahead. I wanted to say something that, that probably some teams could, could take advantage of working on, on War for Hire and original IP is that you can't have mistakes with your clients because uh, the contract will be closed, but you can have mistakes with your own project. So the best way to train our people is through our own IPs. So you can have several mistakes just prototyping and making sure the team is getting the idea how to produce fast with good quality. And then when they have the, the good speed, that's the moment they, they, we move them to work with clients. So that's a really good combination because that helps to rotate the team all the time to have new folks. Uh, because in Colombia, we don't have a school regarding video games like you know, video game design or, or video game programming. We just have like the, the average uh, universities uh, with engineering, with graphic careers. But for us, it's uh, it's been an awesome way to train people and to get them ready for for like projects like Arc or or Atlas. So that that's a really good combination. That's a really good point too, because most people will tend to flip that the other way around. They want their absolute best people on their own stuff, and then let's learn on you know the contract side. But that's part of that balance. It's like if you correct. You can't screw up the contract side because that's what's paying your bills right now. Correct. And so, yeah, that's actually a really, really, really good point. Um, in general, I mean, any pieces, other pieces of advice that, you know, things you've learned over the years and, and lessons that you won't ever do anymore and things that you wish you had done sooner? Well, I mean, several lessons. I mean, again, our context is, is good enough to build a industry. We're still really small. And actually, I wanted to talk about the Colombian industry because uh, it's not just my company based in Colombia. We have about theory studios around Colombia that they are working really, really hard to, to have their, their studios and products out, out uh, on the stores. And I think that build a, a industry is really challenging. I can't imagine being an indie in the States 
fighting uh, with big studios like Beanie Rally, and you have Epic, and you have uh, Funcom, and you have, I don't know, several big, big studios, uh, just afraid that they don't take your talent out of your studio. So I think that that's hard. Here is trying to train people as fast as we can. And and we have this, uh, I mean, this amazing situation where all the uh, good, talented people rotate between the studios and help to grow the, the knowledge. That, that That's amazing. And uh, working closely with government, uh, we, we had really good experience doing some uh, knowledge transfer with uh, smaller studios. Like we, we built a program with the, with the government to transfer our knowledge, like that the top guys were working with uh, small studios to, to improve the, their speed and quality. And that's amazing because that helped the ecosystem uh, and helped a lot of people to, to be on the, on the right radar. And big lessons, it was like I did several business through Skype during 2002 till 2010. Uh, and then I started going to GDC, to E3. Uh, and it was, I mean, was the most amazing uh, scenario to be on the, on the real industry happen. Uh, it's important to connect. And again, it's like gain trust. Is, is really important in this industry. It's not just about your just to just your your technical skills. Is is how trustable are you to handle uh, a work for hire project or even to release your own project? Because that that's something that has a lot of risk. So interacting with the industry teach me a lot to to build relationships. So how, I mean, that sharing of knowledge is exactly why we do this show ourselves. So do you do things internally with, with pro Columbia to, to like have seminars or lectures where you can talk to all the other studios? Because that is absolutely key to getting a lot of this done. And to, like you said, to me, raising it up, what we see here in the States when I so because I was in Raleigh for that area anyway for a very very long time in my career and I've watched that that area grow from basically Epic Red Storm Funcom mm-hmm. and five or six other studios to you know 30, 30 or forty of them. What we see happening is people go and work for one of these big studios and they eventually burn out and and it's like I can't I need something fresh and so. It's it's not an organized rotation, but it's a rotation. You know, people go yeah. in, they work for the big studios, and they go and a system. Yeah, and, and, and then they're like, okay, I need to do something creative and new and fresh, and so I'm going to start an indie studio. And then, you know, for better or worse, five five years later or two years later, they go, oh my god, this sucks. I like having a real paycheck. And then they go back to, you know, working with the big studios, and we see that knowledge circulate. But you know, what do you all do? Because we don't have, I mean, outside of the IGDA, there's not big knowledge sharing situations here in the States. What do you all do with the other studios to, to, I mean, aside from people just like changing jobs, is there anything else that you all do to help, you know, share that knowledge? Yeah, we, we, we do a lot of like common spaces with, with the studios, like the, uh, the 70% of, uh, of the industry is based here in Bogota. And yeah, I mean, uh, we, we have these casual calls. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm, having travel, could you help me with this? Or even sharing uh, teams, like uh, we, we had the opportunity to work with other two studios, just helping them to solve things. It's like very organic process. It's not this uh, uh, like lectures to talk about what uh, you need to learn. It's more like uh, hands-on on the problem and I make sure we can help them. Like. I don't know, like uh, use uh, a Scrum or use a continuous integration process, like things that we know that help a lot to them. So it's, 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 it's like a very, because we are few people, like about uh, 20 studios here in Colombia is just uh, hung, hung up and say, hey, Abar, I need your help with this, or even illegal stuff. Like, hey, Abar, I'm, I'm signing this contract. I'm not sure if this will be good or not. It's like, hey, go with this. So, I thought you said even illegal stuff, but I'm like. 
hey, we're trying to rip off 14 different copies of Adobe here. Can you um, legal stuff? Big difference. Um, but yeah, and that, and that is fantastic. And, and that's one of the things that I love about, you know, a lot of countries in particular, because it happens here in the States, but it's not not to that level. And we do see it in, in Canada. They have a lot of, you know, of the trade organizations that do the very same thing. And I think Montreal. That, yeah, Montreal that's where a lot of this scenario. comes from. We don't have the trade organizations in the U.S. You'll have them in segments. It's like, you know, Louisiana has one where they try to get, you know, people to come mm -hmm. in and, and Georgia has one, but we don't have nearly the, uh, the infrastructure along those lines. And God knows nobody gives out money like the Canadian government. God bless you, CMF <laughs> and whatever y'all do up there, just printing money and handing it out to people. But, you know, it, it is interesting and, and I love to see those sorts of things. So, um, it, any anything else? I mean, we're we're hitting our our time here. So, is there anything else you want to you want to share and talk about? Well, I think that the the, the last part I I wanted to say is regarding and actually you mentioned it is like how government could help to the industry because there there are other situations that worse interaction, but in 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 countries like like Colombia, it's extremely important to have the the government involved. Uh, we used to, I mean, this year will not be uh, the, 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 an event called, called Colombia, Colombia 4.0, that we helped the government to build the, the event during the last, uh, last nine years uh, to show the whole industry, not just video games, it's animation, music, entrepreneurship, like the whole verticals of the, of the digital industry. And, and helps a lot because, again, we need a lot of visibility for really small studios, not just based in Colombia, based in Amazonas, based in Cali, based in, in, in Barranquilla. So it helps to build uh, the industry uh, with, with government uh, is extremely important. Having pro-Colombia to support us uh, on, on shows like GDC, like going out, but, uh, but, but at the same time, how to to connect us better here in Colombia is, is really important. Yes, that's awesome, and, that, and that's I've always had a lot of respect for the countries that actually do have that kind of you know infrastructure support. So, um, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you're in the Discord now, so you, anyone has any questions? I think you might have actually been number one thousand in the Discord. Oh. Um, Hold on, let me let me check this real quick. Because I knew we were getting close, but I wasn't sure exactly. No, you were number 999. We need no way. That's still a good number. That's still a good number. Hey. So yeah, the, the next person that joins over at discord.gg slash indie game business will be our 1000th member of the discord that I didn't understand why we needed to start two years ago. Thank you, Indy. Um, Amazing. But wow, yeah, we've congratulations. got that, that same thing goes on there. You know, people have questions about the business, the legal, the marketing licensing side of the industry. We have a wealth of, of wonderful knowledge that's on there that that helps people so uh yeah that's that's it for today uh don't forget go out and sign up for gamesentinel.online that's our upcoming b2b business platform that basically gives you a gdc 365 days a year so wow. yes we've got that coming up in the next it'll launch in like the next couple of months yeah We're that's gonna be awesome but yeah um andy Anything else? Yeah, make sure um, if you want to listen to us while you're working, and I know you want to, because who wants to see this ugly mug here? But you can listen to us instead, uh, you know, because we have the face made for podcasts. Anchor.fm yes, slash Indie Game Business. And if you want to be on our Discord, be number 1000, Discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. Isn't that what it is? Discord.gg. I think we got it. Bam! Who's number 1,000? Zambala Zool. Nice. You're number 1,000. That's, um, so yeah, now we hit it. Now we just need one more and then we'll be over 1,000. Yes, exactly. 
But yeah, pop on there, introduce yourself. You know, there, like I said, there are developers, publishers, marketing teams, lawyers, all kinds of folks on there uh, that can help you with with whatever you're doing. Yeah, there's like there's uh, what I like to look at is the the games looking for streamers, and then just go through those and say, whoa, because there's yeah. some good stuff on there. So also, exactly. if you have a game and you want people to stream it, you know, you can go in there too. Just go and check out all the different channels. There's a ton of stuff. If you have suggestions for something, let Jay know, and he may or may not ignore you. Right? If you have a complaint <laughs> about something, send it to Andy. I don't really want to hear it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Just send it's it. Andy's fault. <laughs> and I guess that's it. Awesome, Thanks so guys. much for, for being a guest today. And see you guys later. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.